Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. Welcome back. I pray you're well in these crazy times. In this episode, we are picking up with our conversation with the lovely Donna Lancaster, the founder of The Bridge Retreat, which is also featured in the documentary Loved. We've already heard Donna speak about how she came into this work of healing. And in this episode, we go deeper on how wounds from our childhood can get re-triggered and passed down as we become parents and even grandparents ourselves. (laughs) Does it take a while to kind of arrive at when did I become wounded and and how was that exacerbated or how did I adapt to kind of protect myself against that? Is that a moment of of processing? If we talk from a bridge perspective, before people come on the retreat, they're asked to do a bit of a life inventory where they are asked questions around their childhood, which they write down. And this is for themselves to kind of start to dig a little and see like, oh, no, that felt really good. But maybe there I felt a bit lonely or, you know, and you're starting to kind of reflect on the things that sometimes we we often don't or we haven't got the time to do. And then by the time they're... they arrive on the retreat, they're already kind of sort of percolating some of that stuff. And then we we do some what we call cognitive pieces, joining the dots where where we start to say, okay, if you can't remember, uh, you know, how you came to feel not good enough, you know, let's explore that a little bit deeper. What does that mean? How has it played out in your life? And then you kind of go backwards. And when did you first start to feel that Mm. and generally even if people don't have a cognitive uh, narrative uh, attached to it because some some wounds as you know are pre-verbal and then their body will just connect to it and it's a kind of yeah it's it's a kind of physiological knowing the body just kind of remembers the shame or remembers the pain of that experience and and that's enough just as you were speaking there like I was reminded about like the first year of raising my daughter, who's now like five. Um, and I I literally would get like these downloads of like flashbacks to my own self being a baby. And obviously we don't really carry memories of our young selves, you know, consciously. But it was like all of a sudden I was like seeing how things played out between my mom and my dad and, you know, how my brother being born changed that dynamic. And I felt like that was a gateway into so much of the memories that 
perhaps don't get a chance to really be aired or seen. And I, I see that experience happening with mothers, you know, something comes back, but they're not quite sure what it is. And so they haven't necessarily made that link between um, their own childhood and the kind of replaying of certain patterns in, in their own upbringing of their children. But to me, that's why I call it such a kind of rites of passage and such a powerful gateway, because all of a sudden we've then got the compassion to actually look at our mothers in a different light because up until that point we've only ever been their children and then all of a sudden we're in this new dimension of like oh now I can expand my capacity for actually holding what that would have been like for her as the same time re-interrogate what happened to me or what those experiences were like for me as a child now that I can see my child if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and so I find that motherhood can be so provocative for some of these memories and some of these pains and I wondered if you could speak a little bit to what it was like with your own daughter as an adult. Um, And I know she shared quite publicly, so I hope it's okay to share here, but that she was also experiencing some difficulty around what was being confronted with her son. And so she actually came and did the retreat with you as her mother being there, which I'm sure must have brought up a lot in and of itself. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about her journey and your own. And she she won't mind at all. She's happy to share, as you know. She wrote about it. But um, so Gemma is my eldest daughter. She's thirty five, and she when I she I was eighteen when she was born, so I was a baby, and I was eighteen, but really five inside because I was still kind of uh, frozen in time, as I call it. So there was such trauma that I hadn't processed any of that and didn't really know that I you know I didn't really know that I had to um but I, and I was also totally unprepared for life and it was a very traumatic birth and it was it was really yeah a very difficult um her early years were very difficult and then her sister came along so we had a very um difficult early uh, sort of relationship in that she was I I, I had experienced her as incredibly needy because she was in need and of course I I was a traumatized young woman and I wasn't able to give her I was kind of there but not there I was like the really you know and I was like the, the living dead really it was like I just I did everything functionally you know she was cared for on a physical level and I even read books but it was a bit like a, a robot or an avatar or something it was not myself was frozen I don't know if that makes sense but completely so um and the birth process was so traumatic that that just compounded everything and anyway so fast forward to then her teenage years so she went from being a really sort of um good little girl trying to get me to love her and then of course when she hit her teenage years she suddenly got really really angry Mm. and so we went through loads of different processes with that and as I'd started to get more healthy and then suddenly that was a space for her rage to come up and then uh, so we continued to to dialogue we continued to try and reconnect and it was very painful for a long time and then fast forward to later in her life and and Gemma then did work on herself and her wounds around both myself and her father who she felt abandoned her and then she did a piece of work and she was like oh I'm done now you know and then she became a mother 
Mm. And that was really, uh, I mean, it was like she would say, I'm sure it was, it, it was and is and continues to be the most profound healing and and spiritual experience actually on so many levels where she she really almost was able to inhabit my life even though she was much older and much more <laughs> equipped for life than I had ever been but she was like finally truly able to walk in my shoes mm. and say wow you know how did you cope as a young mother of two children with everything that you were also carrying by yourself with no family you know and um and so her son my grandson he's four now but when he was two when he was a baby she was fine but when he started to get into the kind of you know up to sort of two years old the classic um she started to really find it difficult to be with this child that like she said in the piece that she wrote she'd been a good girl she did everything that i asked of her you know and Gemma was like she suppressed so much to be loved basically it's like i'll be quiet i'll be good i won't wet the bed i won't ask for my needs to be met and that has been her healing journey and then here she has a child her son who's like I'm not having that, you know. And he's the opposite. He's he's not happy about something. He lets her know. And she found it so painful to to be faced with this. And it's like, why aren't you good? You know, why aren't you? And it brought all her historical stuff. And she came to me and she said, I I, I have to do something, you know. And then she, she said, I want to do the bridge. And and it was Ideally, I wouldn't have been on her experience, but that would, because I am, the, the bridge is a small business, I, that she would have had to wait a year for one that I wasn't working on. Right. She was like, I can't wait, mum. So she was, she worked directly with uh, Gabby, the co-founder, but I was physically there. And, um, and I'm very glad I, I was. And it was just so beautifully healing for her to then work on her relationship with her son and her dad and me and just to do that whole lineage piece and to really heal some of some more on a deeper level of what had happened with me as she said that kind of freed her up to be present to her son in a completely different way because those parts of her that were hurting she went back for and then going back for those and healing those and welcoming those parts home, she then came back to her son without those kind of gaping wounds that he was sort of poking unconsciously. And, and I mean, it is unbelievable how different she is. It's, it's really blows me away, you know. And, and for our relationship, you know, there's a, a ritual, Nahanda, on, on the, you've seen it in the documentary, which is called The Love Ritual, where we, hold people and we give them a mothering experience of being held safe loving unconditional touch and for me you know to with Gemma's permission I I I held her so we asked people to imagine going back into their childhood and then receiving a hug from their mother that they needed back then and I I am her mother and it was just I could cry just telling you I'm I'm tearing up just hearing it seriously it was the most profound experience of our lives both of us we can still hardly talk about it. it's something 
truly alchemical, magical. It, it was like, and we already had an amazing, you know, we'd done a lot of healing work, but that final piece, mm. was, it was magic, Nahanda. Mm. And that's why I want to, when we can finally get back to in-person work, we're going to do some family um some retreats for families to really allow that possibility for people if their family members are open to it to kind of heal together in community that is so powerful and i can really feel that Um, and i don't know anyone who would not want that kind of loving hug intentionally and unconditionally from their mother Um, i think that energy is what we're missing collectively that kind of deep deep connection to mother earth herself the way that we've severed and separated ourselves from her is that lack of nourishment is that lack of of feeling safe and secure and so i think all of us you know whether we would see ourselves in in that story or not are carrying the residue of that severance of that disconnection um, because it's a lie at the end of the day. And so anything that brings us back to connection with our biological mother or our energetic spiritual mother or just kind of healing up the line, you know, the way that you spoke of, I think is just such a blessing. And I'm just so grateful that you're in the world sharing work like this. It feels so good to speak about it. Um, and so, yeah, let's speak ancestrally. I think we've kind of touched on that. Um, I think for people who maybe don't have that kind of spiritual understanding of the role of ancestors, um, how does that play a part in your view in in our healing and our ability to show up fully um, in this life, in this realm? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big question. We take on through our childhood, we have these wounds are created through what we receive or don't receive from our from our families and our parents in particular and that's kind of the kind of stuff in front of you as a child if you like and what we're also interested in is what is behind you and the what happened to your parents that they treated you that way and then their parents that treated them that way and back and back and back it goes through the generations and and you know and it's not just Oh, my my mum had depression because her her mum had depression. It's really looking and exploring um, the ways in which we consciously and unconsciously, and it's the unconscious stuff that, of course, is the most powerful when you bring it into the light of your awareness. Um, which is the ways in which what we call poisoned arrows are shot into our bodies, meaning those beliefs, those um, those kind of ways of being in the world, what's allowed and not allowed, all the ways that we unconsciously remain loyal to our families of origin, right the way down through the generations that play out in our lives in a myriad of ways. And and like I said, most people don't know this stuff. Mm. So they may have done, for example, healing work with their mother who wounded them or their father, but not recognize that there's a whole lineage piece that Mm. comes behind Mm. them that also needs to be tended to. And and depending on what you believe as well, Nahanda, but I really believe that it's a two-way process and that Mm. if we can heal ourselves, like if I can 
do what I can to heal my own wounds, which I've done and continue to do, it means the next generation has a lesser burden to carry. Yeah, they have a burden, uh, uh, um, undoubtedly, it's part of the human condition and part of, I believe, our reason for being here in terms of our soul contracts, etc. But but we can certainly lighten their load as they lighten their, the next generation's load. But it also goes backwards. I believe that we can lighten the load of our ancestors in that they are rejoicing, you know, goodness of our ancestors wants us to free ourselves from this generational pain that's been, that's been passed down and down through the generations. You know, on my father's side, my father's African, and in our ancestry, there's slavery. You know, undoubtedly, his uh, great grandparents were were slaves or great grandparents, and so I know because of the work that I've done what that slavery model and that whole slaving away and the compulsion to work and never rest and never stop those unconscious poisoned arrows that were shot into my body through my father and back and back, how, how I've lived that, mm. you know, that I've lived like a slave in my life because, I, because of my lineage. And it was only by turning back and honouring, you know, and again, I could cry as I say this, and really acknowledging and validating and bowing and honouring the... the um, the price that my ancestors paid for me to be here unshackled and free speaking to you uh, right now living my life it feels like it, it you know I believe that it flows back to them and so I wanted to speak to that so we're both mixed race um, my dad's uh, from Grenada um, and so looking back a few generations there obviously there is slavery down that line as well but then on my mum's side my mum's white british mixed with irish and so there's another narrative there as well i wondered as somebody who embodies these kind of two distinct lineages sometimes there can be a struggle of identity i wondered what that work has been like for you navigating that as a mixed race woman mm, yeah it's so interesting isn't it because it's this, uh, you know, I did some work with Nova Reed and, and the, when we did a ritual for many for people from the Bain community around the whole George Floyd and so forth. So we did a grief ritual, an online grief ritual around that. And I was, you know, I got so angry and really, I mean, really, really furious about, you know, the role of white people and white entitlement, etc. And as I was kind of expressing that in this ritual, I realized that that was, of course, it's in me. So it's almost like the, you know, that lives inside me. And it was like, how do I make my peace? How do I navigate that to make my peace with that part of myself? Otherwise, I'm hating half of myself. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't hate anyone, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so it was really that thing. And that's why I, my work, my life, my whole way of being is about embodying love and actually to really love you know it's not about loving how people behave in abhorrent ways but it's about loving them anyway so mm -hmm. it's really using love as a channel as a force for good and change and transformation not saying letting people off the hook kind of thing and mm -hmm. it's really that same uh, journey inside myself is to say you know i know that my mum's family uh 
when she married a black man in the 50s, my mum's family kind of ostracised her, some of them, not all of them, because they were racist. And so I know that there was racism in my lineage on that side. Um, but I'm really, in my own work and my own practices, I'm really sort of sending love as the medicine towards that racism that's also been internalised inside of me. And I think the other thing as well, Nahanda, I don't know how this is for you, but I was raised by my white mother. So it, it, was, it took me a while to really start to um, even be curious because I was so angry at my father for so long that I didn't, it was like anything to do with him and his blackness I wasn't interested in until I started to do my work. And then it was like, that's half of yourself you're rejecting. So, I, you know, it was in later life, in my sort of late 20s and onwards, that I started to really explore my own father's culture and, and uh, background and his history and his lineage and, and make my peace with that. And I think now it's, it is an interesting dynamic for people that identify as mixed race, is that finding their way with that, especially around internalised racism. But... I apply love to the places that hurt and that's what I do inside myself and that's what I do in my work and it and it's it's a cliche but love really can heal everything yes I resonate wholeheartedly and I think my experience has been kind of in reverse I was raised by my white mother but she was so um, ultra aware of the stereotypes and you know her her role as being a, a mother of mixed race children that I, if anything I, I had an over emphasis on the the black culture that was around me in terms of family and friends and experiences mm -hmm. and so for me there's been a reckoning on the other extreme of like okay I see myself in a particular way and because of that I have wanted to prove my belonging in places where I haven't been made to feel welcome necessarily. And then getting into a space of proving really, as you know, is always from a, a wounded place of not enough. That journey continues for me. And I do really work with curiosity with both of those lineages ancestrally as well. And I'm continuing to learn how to honor both of those identities. But I realized we could talk, we could talk for so much longer. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface yet. But I guess women hearing this and feeling into the truth that how we mother directly impacts our children and you know positively or negatively we have a responsibility for how we show up how can we not fall into self-blame and guilt and self-judgment and continuously not being enough because I find that when we have these conversations that tends to be the go-to place for a lot of women it's like have I scarred my children for life? You know, I haven't been present. I've been on my phone. You know, I've been busy. I've been distracted. I maybe haven't showed up in the ways that I would have wanted to or I expected to. What now? Is it too late? Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I always say that the mothers that are asking themselves those questions are really the, which is most mothers, are really the mothers that you need to worry about in terms of what they're offering their children. Because if you're, a, I don't even like the word good mother, but you know what I mean. If, if, if you're a mother that's really um, wanting the best for your children, which is, like I say, pretty much every mother, um, is is that you don't ask those questions if you're not, you don't reflect in that way. You don't say, did I do right by my child? Is this the right boundary to put in place? And da, da, da. You don't wrestle with those decisions if you're um, in a very different space. But 
what what I what I really believe is that we are, you know, our responsibility as mothers, as parents, is to really do our inner work, and and because your children have got enough to deal with in their in terms of their own life's journey, but just like I said, that lineage piece of making sure that you don't pass on unnecessary burdens that they have to carry for you, whether that's your depression or whatever. Um, but I would also say that I really one of in my 53 years now is I've learned to trust in life and that I trust that that our that we do the best that we can and that you know in terms of parenting you know I was a child protection social worker for years that's my original uh, profession and and this whole you know Winnicott's definition of good enough parenting and good enough parenting is what enables children to become securely attached and what does good enough parenting mean more often than not you meet the needs of your child more often than not and that is good enough parenting meaning they get enough of the goodness enough of of you enough of your nurture enough of their needs met that they can thrive and the rest they're meant to rub up against life and we as much as as mothers as parents we might desire to wrap them up in cotton wool and you know i know this i see this with my grandsons i never want them to experience pain ever and yet i trust in life and i know that they will and that they are meant to and that is where the real growth happens for people is when they are when they suffer as part of growing up. So it's, it's that thing of what I really encourage parents, mothers to do is to really recognize that, that you do the best you can with what you have to offer. And of course, always learning and things like your amazing work and your podcast and you know, learn as, as much as you can because it's not enough to just think you know how to parent, especially if you didn't have the best, receive the best parenting, you mm. need to learn it, how to do a parent effectively. Um, and then it's just trusting, it's handing over the rest and saying, it's it's more often than not. And, and I know that the rest is, going to be what it's going to be you know it's trusting that they they will have their own life's experiences and all we can do I think as mothers is to is to be there for our children and and I would also say as well Nahanda is that as I said to you before we started recording is that you know I really, I didn't start doing my work and my inner work until my children were in their teens and I really thought I've completely I've ruined their lives, you know, by what I exposed them to in terms of I had violent relationships and so forth. And and um, and that I can absolutely say is not the case. As I got more holistically healthy, so did my children. As I got more loving and compassionate towards myself and others, so did my children and their relationships. I saw their relationships with men change as mine changed. It was it was unbelievable they made different choices because of the choices that I made were different amazing and so we can never underestimate our our power and our our power of influence through our choices through our decisions and to also in the same breath not 
make that something that paralyzes us to not take actions. You know, there are going to be some things that don't work out the way that we expect. There are going to be some things that our children are going to be exposed to that we might not have intended. But what I'm hearing you say is that it's never too late to begin prioritizing that space for yourself to heal and that the capacity that that creates for your children is is manifold and they will begin to lean into that space that you create by focusing on your own healing first. Absolutely. And and there's one last thing if I can say as well is the real never underestimate the importance of apologizing to your children when you get it wrong. Apologize age appropriately to children when you make a mistake, when you raise your voice, you you go you go back to your child and you say you know, I, I know I shouted then and that frightened you. And I'm really sorry for that. Mm-hmm. I was stressed. I was, you know, whatever you give the context, you explain, you help them make sense of what happened. But a heartfelt apology, honestly, it is medicine. Um, and that in itself is so healing rather than thinking, oh, they're only four, so I don't need to apologize. Yes, you do. Mm. apology is is the it, that is really really powerful and healing for children thank you and thank you so much for taking this time to share with us today there's so many nuggets of wisdom in here and for women who want to connect with you learn more about your work where can they find you oh, thank you Nahanda. it's been such a joy and like you say it could go on and on and on <laughs> But um, so you could, I do lots of different courses. Um, you know, we're doing free stuff during lockdown, and there's also short courses, etc., as well as the Bridge Retreat online. And you can find out about all the different things that we offer on thebridgeretreat.com. And then I'm on social media, so it's at Donna Langs, D O N A L A N C S. And also I have a book coming out in 2022. So there's various ways that you can connect with me if you so choose. Oh, congratulations on the book. I cannot wait to read it. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to deep diving more into some of the the work that you're offering. Um, but for now, thank you. It's been a true pleasure. Um, and yeah, I look forward to us connecting further. Me too. Thank you, Miranda. Take care. What a conversation. I pray that you resonated with many of the words of wisdom that Donna offered us. I had such a strong feeling of resonance with Donna's energy. We actually spoke for ages after we finished this recording. And I cannot wait to read and support her new book and just all of Donna's work, really. As always, for further resources, I'm signposting a special exercise that I put together on this theme of ancestral healing. So check out the show notes on my website. Let me know what you think. And if you need any further support, as always, I am here. Sending you lots of love and blessings. Stay well, stay safe. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. 
Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.